Middle of the Pack. Real discussions for the middle of the pack by the middle of the pack. We'll talk about training and racing, but we're here to deep dive into the life topics of the weekend warriors and obstacle course racing enthusiasts. Obstacle course racing isn't just a sport, it's a lifestyle. We are the middle of the pack. Racing has brought me so far away from my family. They wonder why I run up and down mountains and yell, Aroo! It's cool though, because I've met others who understand why I do what we do. You can't pick your family, but you can pick a killer tribe. Luke Walsh. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Middle of the Pack. I am here with my co-host as always, Megan Beck. Hey! And Derek Rosansky. What's up? So we are on episode four of this, uh, and we realized we have never actually told our story of how we all met, and we figured it would actually be a pretty good episode topic, which is friendships, families, relationships in OCR, and kind of how it affects the sport. So we actually wanted to open just by giving the story of kind of how we all met each other um i know my one side and then i actually don't know how y'all two met but it's this weird like triangle thing um so i actually met derek at uh fit challenge fit at the ridge in 2017 and derek i actually only knew you because of chrissy's instagram (laughs) so i knew your face from that so i knew your face from that and i like met you there where we were both running an endurance race. So there's not a lot of like stuff to talk about. And then we kind of mutually bonded over uh, basically shit talking on Facebook. Um, <laughs> yes. And then in 2019, I got into your Nora. Well, hey, should, shouldn't we kind of like talk about how we all know each other before we jump all the way up to Noram? Okay. I was going to do my pyramid build and then throw it off to y'all but okay yeah but i mean if you if you give out the end game y- you know how hard it is to backtrack nobody wants to go and see the i don't even know what the next marvel movie is coming out but i mean black widow if they're dead a, it's a flashback yeah movie. i don't <laughs> i don't want to see black widow knowing okay. that she's already dead okay then um, how, do you, how do you all and derek you and derek know each other so I don't I, even Derek, know. Was, <laughs> I, I'm kind of wondering that myself. Was it OCRWC 2017? Was that when we first officially met each other? Honestly, I don't remember. There's like so many people that I just met from like 2017 <laughs> or 2019 that everyone kind of just blends together. I honestly have no idea. I, I do remember going to the crew dinner at OCRWC 2017. And you were there. And I think we talked maybe a little bit. And then I had met Chrissy at the 2017 Killington. We stayed at a house. And um, then in 2018, I think maybe you and Chrissy were at Greek Peak. And we all talked to each other then. Um, And I think from there, it kind of just continued to snowball. And then next thing you knew, we were in London racing for yeah. World Championship together. Yeah. <laughs> staying at a small little house in London, three of and, us. So, and, yeah, and, I honestly don't remember. 
Yeah, it, it really did kind of just happen. Like we met each other in passing and then we saw each other again and again and again. And then we just kept talking a little bit more. And then we bonded over Ice Nine Kills. Yeah, pretty much. You're also wearing that beanie right now that no one can see because we haven't done video yet. But I know. Yeah. All I ever wear is Ice Nine Kills beanies. But that does lead into our Noram story. Um, um, so 2019, I actually reached out to you, Derek, about being in a house for Noram. And you're like, it's funny you ask because I'm currently building one right now. Um, so, um, yeah, you had me, Megan, and a bunch of other people in a house. And that's actually how I met uh, Megan through Noram. And funny enough, you introduced me to Ice Nine Kills. Because you introduce everybody to that, apparently. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't introduce Derek. Derek had been seeing oh. Ice Nine Kills well before I had seen them. A, I would say I've been thread. looking at them since my college days. So back in like 2011, 2012, man, come on. They used, to, they used to play at a really, really small... Sorry, we're going on an off tangent here. I don't care. They used to play at a very, very tiny venue by my house um, that could literally fit like maybe 50 people. And I remember seeing them. I was like, oh, this band's pretty, pretty decent. They might go places. And then, like, here we are 10 years later, and they're playing on, you know, Sirius XM Octane. So, anyway, so, yeah. Finally, so it, took a, it, it took them a while. But, yeah. A little bit. And, yeah, while at that house of Norm is actually where I kind of came up with the idea for this podcast. I just never took it anywhere. Because all three of us were very much outspoken in the sport of OCR, and there's not a lot of people who are outspoken everyone just carl's being hmm? carl's is being too nice what he means to say is that we talk a lot of shit mm -hmm. and we thought it would make well i guess he thought it'd make a great podcast because a year later as of like two months ago he's like hey we're starting a podcast do you mm -hmm. want to come talk shit with us and i'm like hell yeah let's go <laughs> i will yeah. say though at that noram house it was my birthday weekend and derek did surprise us with like giant cookie cakes Mm -hmm. So he's not all about the talking shit. He is kind of a sweetheart. He just doesn't let people know that side of him. I'm a sarcastic asshole. I'm just a sarcastic asshole who cares. That's all. He really does love his friends. And that is where today's episode comes in. Yeah. Um, with today's topic, we kind of wanted to look at just friendships in general, friendships and family and kind of how this sport impacts them. Just relationships. Yeah. Because... OCR, like, it's an all-encompassing sport. It takes over all your time between training and then when you're training on the weekdays, once you get to the weekends where you're supposed to be hanging out with people, you're like, no, I actually got to drive out to the middle of nowhere and run through some mud. Um, it's going to be a good time, though. Like, and the, So a lot of people don't fully understand kind of what's going on. And then through racing, you also get to meet people. But we wanted to start with actually kind of how a lot of people end up balancing their family life with racing and just also how it's impacted their family. I can tell you my impact with my family. It's pretty easy going. My parents are not, they're supportive of racing, but they're just kind of like, okay, well you can go off and do what you want to do. They don't really have much uh, input on it. They've been to a couple races. Um, they've shown up and watched, but it's real, only when it's local um but yeah they're excuse me <laughs> all right i'm, I'm laughing because i heard someone squeak toy in the background it's, it's, i was it's like yeah. playing, 
Yeah. It's not oh, it's Titan. Not, Titan's not, not here right now. No, it's it's Lexi because uh, <laughs> this dog ran four and a half miles earlier, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, I'm ready to go. Go on, go on." Um, she can keep that in, by the way. Yeah, because it's going to be in the background of me talking. So, um, but um, where was I talking about? Was I talking about family? So starting off with like the two branches of family and friends, like the family side of things uh, seems to be a bigger part of the sport because it when you're racing, you're taking time away from even though all of us were not married and have kids. But like there are people out there who have full families, but yet they find the time to go out and race. In my instance with my family, my parents are supportive of my racing, but they're just kind of like, that's your hobby, what you do. They don't dig into it at all. They've been to two races that were local, and then they showed up for a Marine Corps marathon one year, but they've always just been like, yeah, that's what you want to do. I had dreams of them participating in a race, but they're in their mid sixties. They have other stuff they want to do. They're not getting out and they, they don't want to get out and race. Um, and then with my sister, I've actually, she's shown up, she showed up for one of my first best races, which was Fenway 2014. She actually came up with me for that and cheered me on. She was, the pit crew person for my first ever 24 hour race at a uh, battle frog 24 in Miami. And then <clears throat> just before she got married in 2016, I actually convinced her to race. Um, she did the tuxedo sprint and that's a terrible first time race for anybody who doesn't do anything athletic. Cause that is a, that's a rough what? course. You're kidding me. That barbed wire crawl is easy, right? That's the easiest yeah. barbed wire crawl there is. It's one of the longest ones out there. Um, <laughs> it's, there's a really great photo of her looking at it's because her uh, her fiance at the time took the photo through her husband. Uh, took a photo of her staring back at us, like watching her do the barbed wire crawl. It's the best. I'll probably post it on socials for this. Um, and then. Uh, yeah, now our kind of my hope is once OCR opens up and my niece gets a little older, I'll be doing a kids race with her. Um, and that's kind of been my family background on this. It's been pretty easy. I mean, I've missed out on some extended family stuff, but for me, it's just been kind of like, okay, well, I just I don't see my cousins and uncles at this time. Yeah, I mean, so I kind of have a mixed bag, um, and it, it's kind of transitioned over the years. I mean, when it first started out, I mean, I started out like any of you guys, you know, just weekend warrior, just to kind of go and give a race a go and be like, oh, cool, I'm into fitness things. This looks fun and kind of badass. Let's go do it. Um, so I did like I think one race my first year, and then I did a, a normfecta trifecta the following year, and then the next year, which was I believe 2015, 2016, I bought a season pass, and it was still like affordable like not three thousand dollars whatever yeah. that is now but it was like 650 um, for like the elite not even i think i i think the one that i bought was maybe five or 550 it was under wow. six i know that that was such a great time i loved it <laughs> but they had races in I, the north then too mm-hmm. yeah and i was going to all these races and my parents were kind of like why are you spending all this money and traveling to all these things just to go run in some mud like you're literally paying to go run in mud and 
do this. Like, just go do it for free. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you don't understand. And I mean, they still kind of don't. Um, my parents have never done a race. They've never been to a race. Um, they, I mean, both my mom and my dad repost a lot of my like higher end races. And if I do really well, like if I place or have like an endurance event, which happens like once every three years, which is the one race that I met you at Charles, cause I don't do endurance races. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they still kind of think I'm a little bit crazy cause the amount of money I spend on travel and going to these, but at the same time, um, we kind of like that I have because that's how I've met. I mean, pretty much anyone that I actually talked to, that's how I met was through racing. I don't really talk to anybody else that's not involved in racing or I haven't met through racing, whether or not they still race themselves. I mean, other than like maybe one or two people from high school, but I mean, for the most part, my parents are supportive of it, but I've definitely missed a lot of um, family functions, family events, weddings. I've kind of either skipped them completely or, you know, gone out of the country and have done other races simply to go do the races and not go to family functions. So it's, you know, it's been a give and take, but everyone in my entire family, even outside of my immediate family knows that I'm like the racing guy. And for whatever reason, when everyone um, thinks of racing, they always think of Tough Mudder, which I never understood. Maybe because Tough Mudder just has like the more like well-known, like, oh, you went and did one of those mud runs and you just instantly think of Tough Mudder. Yeah, it's the mudder side of it. That's why. And I've only ever actually did one Tough Mudder in my entire life. But every single time I go to like a wedding or a birthday or some family function, all my aunts and uncles were like, oh, yeah, I saw you did that that Mudder Tough Man thing. How was that? Like, how's that been going for you? And it's like, oh, it's going pretty good, Grandma. Cool, yeah. Meanwhile, I've only ever did one Tough Mudder. And then I have to explain the intricacies of how they're all different. Because in their mind, it's all the same. But that's that's pretty much my family life with OCR. <laughs> it's kind of a shit show. So for me, I actually got into racing kind of as a family thing. In 2013, I think we, I talked about last week how I had volunteered at the Broad Street Run after the, the Boston Marathon bombings. My family lives in Massachusetts. For anybody who's not in Massachusetts, we would all say Boston, but they don't live in Boston. Um, but my parents have never really been runners. Nobody in my family's ever really been runners. But after the Boston Marathon bombings, um, my parents set a goal to run a 5K. So we went out and we had run a 5K together. And then there was a um, an obstacle course race in downtown Boston. You would run, if anybody's familiar with Boston, you would run from Government Center through Faneuil Hall out to Long Wharf. So you would cross some busy streets in the city of Boston and they would set up like their monkey bars, their tire flips, their rope climbs throughout the main touristy part of Boston. So my sister's sons come up to Massachusetts every summer to spend the summer with my family while my sister lives in South Carolina. She was a single mom at the time working um, her way through her bachelor's degree and eventually up through law school. So the plan was she was going to come up to Boston to run this race with me and, um, you know, spend the time with her kids and really have this awesome experience. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to come up that weekend, but we had her registration. 
So my dad jumped into that obstacle course race with me. So my first OCR was actually Urban Raid Boston with my dad. I had a concussion at the time. Long story. We don't need to go in on that one. But he was not trained. So we took it nice and slow. And we just had this incredible time. He came out saying, you know, I would love to do this again. But, you know, as muscle soreness kicks in and time goes by, it's, oh, well, I did it once. And, you know, it's not for me anymore. But then from there, I would only run the Fenway Sprint the next couple of years because still thinking I'm not a runner. I can't run more than a 5K Then in 2016, I had found a Groupon for the Boston Super, which was 20 minutes from where my parents live. And I was at this time living in Boston now. The Boston Super is always on my birthday weekend. So I scheduled it. And once I finished the Boston Super, I immediately thought, well, I'm going to run Boston. Um, I'm going to run Fenway. And I just ran the Boston Super. You know... I'm two thirds of the way there. I might as well go get a trifecta. So from there, I was looking at different beasts and I noticed the South Carolina beast. It was 15 minutes from my sister's house in Columbia, South Carolina. So my mom and I drove down or flew down actually. And we celebrated my nephew's birthday, which was a couple weeks earlier. So it was just a good opportunity to go and see family. From there... The next year, I had actually started helping out with different things around Spartan with like workout of the day. Um, We had been in talks for like a Spartan kitchen. So I had my first season pass. So I thought, well, I have the season pass. I might as well make it useful. And I decided I was going to go on what I called, and I even hashtagged it, quest for 5X. So I was going for... Five, tri- five trifectas that year. Aroo. Aroo. I, I, I drank that Kool-Aid. I will say, mm. though, I did still continue to run the Urban Raid Boston. And one year I even, um, as a way to get my nephews really excited to come see me run around Boston, we created our own superheroes. So I ran Urban Raid Boston in which we actually climbed a cargo net up the side of city hall so we climbed like two stories up city hall and here here i am in a cape climbing up the side of city hall so it was like straight up superheroes it was amazing and the boys loved it have they gone to any other events with you in the last like two years or your mom even so my when i went down for the beast my nephews did run their first spartan kids race and then they have gone on and they've run a few more spartan kids races when they're they've been up for the summer so Charles, I'm just going to say this. Once they get to a certain age, you're not allowed to run with them. Mm-hmm. So you got, you kind of got to get Elle in there really soon. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to run with her. You're just going to be able to cheer her on at the finish line. Well, she's three. Um, <laughs> I think you have some time. I have some time. Okay. I, maybe like one or two more years. Yeah. But yeah, so then I ran my five-time trifecta by then. You know, my family started not really coming out to the Boston races much anymore. I started having some issues where, you know, I would say, hey, I want to do this race, this race. And I'd get a lot of pushback like, oh, well, didn't you just run a race? Or do you really need to do this? Um, Do you really need to go running on a Saturday? And, you know, just you're getting really absorbed in your training. 
so um i mean i'm 32 now i had to think about that for a second <laughs> old lady so i was 29 and i'm from wisconsin originally and if anybody's from the midwest you understand that you know in wisconsin by the time you're 29, majority of the people I went to high school with are on their second marriage with, you know, 2.5 kids. And here I am, you know, 29 single. And instead of going out dating on the weekends or whatever else, I'm choosing to go out and race. Um, so my parents are hoping, you know, I'm going to settle down and start taking life seriously, putting down roots and, you know, look to starting a family soon. So then once that um, five-time trifecta was done, I got my season pass re-upped from Spartan. And I said, oh, well, I'm not going to be running as many trifectas this year. I want to focus more on the quality of races. I'm going to be running age group. And my mom turned to me and she's like, haven't you gotten that out of your system yet? And it got to the point where, you know, I was having some really hard, like mental breakdowns, just feeling like my family didn't support me anymore. Um, like I would, it got really bad. I'd cry and um, just try to reason with them. And my mom would say, well, if you want somebody to stand at the finish line for you, you should really get a boyfriend. Or, you know, why don't you just, you know, make more friends? And I'd say, well, I have friends, but I'd really appreciate your guys' support. But my parents would continue to say, oh, well, we're not just going to stand at a finish line and wait for you to finish. Um, so that it, it really weighed on me mentally for a while. But as I developed my brand, my mom and dad would help out. And I know that that was their way of showing support. So my mom designed my logo. She would help out with my website. She works in graphics. So she's helped, you know, decal my truck. My dad helps me build obstacles. And they see now over the years, just how big obstacle course racing is in my life. And they're much more supportive. And they're realizing that this isn't just a hobby. It's not about me running in the mud. It's me really trying to, you know, build my career. Um, I have all my friendships within the sport. This is what I really love to do. So this year, I ran my first ultra. And I told my parents I was going to run this 24 hour race. It's in Rhode Island. So it's maybe hour, hour and a half from them tops. My dad is a deacon and he has church every Saturday and Sunday that he has to be at. And I told him about it and he turned to my mom and said, I, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to be at that race. So they came out and they found me out on the course with the dogs and they came out for two hours to help me pit at my 24 hour race. And that was the first time in three years that they had seen me race. They've also said that they're going to come to OCRWC in Stratton to really support me. Um, so they're really trying hard to continue to be supportive. But I still see like a little bit of that. Haven't you gotten it out of your system? Every year my mom makes, um, when she sends out her our family Christmas cards from like my parents, she'll give a little debrief on what everybody does. And one year I had one sister that got married one sister that got engaged and one sister that graduated law school. And then it said, and then it was something along the lines of, and Megan continued to race. I'm like, no, mom, I actually won the mountain series for my age group this year. Or, hey, I just ran 110 kilometers. Like, yeah, that's awesome that you're like, Megan's improving her business. But I did 
accomplish bigger goals that it would be awesome to, you know, see a little more support from. One thing you kind of mentioned, though, that kind of ties into obviously what we're talking about with uh, family and everything is, you know, your your nephews doing like the kids race and stuff. That's something that's really, I think, picked up in not popularity, but more race brands are kind of trying to encourage and do and ties into the whole family thing is, you know, offering kids races. That way the whole family gets involved. And that way it doesn't end up kind of a situation like you were saying, where they kind of look at it like you're not you know, over this like phase or hobby or anything yet. So I think it's, it's nice to see uh, brands, you know, especially your, your major ones, Spartan Savage and all those ones have the kids race to get it's, you know, to make it a, a more family affair. So that way you're not kind of like the quote unquote, like ugly duckling. Um, it's definitely nice. Definitely. No, those kids races have been huge and yeah, like Spartan, it's awesome to have that kids race. Savage has that kids race. There are a lot of local brands that they will open up their courses to younger. I think with Indian mud run, their 5k course is open to kids pretty young. And in fact, um, race ready obstacle, they've been really supportive of everything we do, they posted a full line of pictures of their kids coming out and running with them yesterday on Instagram. Um, I'm going to try to go on and save them before they're gone so we can repost them again. But they said that OCR has really turned into a family sport for them and that they try to um, bring their kids out on the big courses as often as they can. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely better than having like your, you know, standard and typical like family game night. It's much better to get kind of out and active especially with this you know the society that we live in where everyone's glued to their you know screens and phones and everything else and obese and everything all that good kind of junk so it's it's nice to see that they're trying to make it more family oriented so that the entire family can participate which is really nice 100 percent. if i would have known obstacle course racing was going to be a thing when i was a kid i would have definitely gotten into you know the ninja stuff. I mean, I did gymnastics, but I, it would have easily segued me into more parkour and oh, yeah. ninja cross country mm-hmm. rather than, you know, just going the cheerleading route. And it's like, I hated running as a kid, like 150% hated running. Like oh, I think the 20 minute run in gym class was the most hated like time in my entire school career was the 20 minute run and the mile timed run. Like I literally would fake being sick. I'd wake up like, mom, I'm sick today. I, I can't go to school just so I could get out of doing the 20 minute run. Now here I am, you know, 20 years later and I pay like $300 to run. It's definitely nice to have that family aspect of it and that they encourage that stuff. That way, you know, you get your kids started on like the right path and everything. So, all right, going off a little side tangent again, but it's just nice to see. No, but honestly, like I said, with my nephews coming out, and dressing them up as superheroes, even just bring them out to a race, they get excited to watch mom, dad, aunt, uncle, whoever, as they run by and seeing all of these things. I mean, I continue to tell people that I'm in obstacle course racing because I just don't want to grow up. I want to be a big kid playing on a giant playground. And that's really what this sport is about. So I think it's awesome that we are starting these kids so young. I mean, it is more than just a hobby or a sport too, because there is that social aspect. I mean, mm-hmm. out of us, I just said, you know, how we are with, with our families and how, you know, into racing we are. I mean, that's how we built all of our relationships, friendships to actual like, you know, partnerships and boyfriends, girlfriends, all those type of things. Uh, literally everyone I talked to with a, you know, handful of people from high school are, I met through racing. You know, so it's, there's a big social aspect of it too. 
Definitely. But honestly, I understand why, you know, families can be a little hesitant. Hard Gainer Blonde on Instagram. Um, her name's Kaylee. She lives in Boston as well. She's a member of the Flamboyance, the Honey Stinger. Um, I see her uh, online everywhere. She posted, um, my partner got me into OCR. And initially, my parents were not okay with it. They had only seen advertisements and heard horror stories from people who had never run a race. And they thought their delicate little ballerina daughter was going to get maimed or killed. They're much better about it now and have even attended one race to spectate. And she does give a shout out to Fenway Park. Amazing venue. Park. <laughs> yes, there's my New England coming out. And even so, I still have to call or text immediately after finishing so they know I'm alive. I'm not sure they fully understand why I do it, especially when they see the bruises and hear me describe some of the more miserable moments. But they're still my biggest cheerleaders. Pretty sure they brag about me doing it to their friends now. Mm, major props to her for telling her family about the miserable moments. I don't think I've told my family I've blacked out at three races. Um, <laughs> like, you I don't think just I've, did. I don't, I don't think they listen. Surprise, um, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My parents haven't seen me like struggle through that, but I would say like. I think my parents, once they got to see me, especially the second time they saw me race, they got to see a lot more of the competitive aspect of it and why I'm like, because I didn't, I grew up playing sports, but I was like, it's like when you make your kid play baseball and soccer. So you're not really competitive. It's just kind of like he needs to do something. Mm -hmm. But then they saw me actually like competing and trying to get better and stuff. And they, it kind of got, once they saw the second time I raced her, like, oh, we kind of get it now. Like hearing her talk about her experiences and, and how, you know, they, they're worried about her getting maimed or killed. It, it reminds me of actually that OCRWC 2017. I had never ran a mandatory obstacle completion race before. My parents did not know what I was going to Canada to do. I just kind of took off on an airplane to go run a race and said, hey, guys, if you want to track me, here's the link. So I took off and OCRWC did not have any kind of timing platforms throughout the course. So they literally just have your starting time and your finishing time. It went that because I was, I love to obstacle and I was determined to keep my band, I wasn't going to come off the course without my band. So I'm out there fighting. And by the time I crossed the finish line and got to my phone, I had massive a massive group text from my entire family going, Oh my gosh, where is she? Did she die? What happened? They had gone onto Facebook and started tagging me in Facebook posts saying, any of Megan's friends, if you are up in Canada, can you tell us if you've seen her? We have no idea what's going on. Where is she? Did she die? Is she injured? Oh my God. <laughs> and I think that might have been one of the, the reasons why they came back and said, well, haven't you gotten that out of your system yet? Because they just didn't understand that this was more than just a go out and run your race for me. This was me actually fighting to keep my band to get better and to really complete the course. It's funny you mentioned that with your like parents freaking out. When I ran my 100 miler, uh, it's not OCR, but a 100 mile trail race in 2019 uh, at Infinitus. There's not a lot of reception up in the middle of nowhere, Vermont. Um, I can't remember it, but where the actual location was. but we had very limited Wi-Fi where it was like, you could send a text message, but you're not getting anything back. Like it would only send, you can only send stuff out. So it got to the point to where I'm running, it's a 48 hour race and 
uh, my parents were only getting my parents were only getting updates through whatever photos Endurance Society posted on on uh, <laughs> Facebook. And then once I got into reception, because I sent out a text of obviously done like, oh, hey, I finished. And that's at like two in the morning. But once I got out into actual like cell phone service, my phone exploded. And it was always like my parents and friends of like, where are you? Are you alive? Are you still moving? Like it was just this text after text thread of like people trying of people trying to figure out if I was actually still out there right, trying to finish a hundred miles. That's gonna be me come August when I uh made my post about running when I made my post about running uh, Leadville one hundred. Um, my mom texted me. She's like, I just saw your Facebook post. Why do you want to put your body through that? You're going to die. And I'm like, mom, I'm not going to die. Like I do this kind of stuff all the time. Like, yeah, this is my first like real big endurance event, but like I do this stuff all the time and like, I want to challenge myself. That's the whole point of doing it. And I, I told her outright, I'm like, you wouldn't understand until you do something like that. Why? you know, we do what we do. And she's like, well, I saw your one friend comment about some disease and, and uh, you can die. I'm like, mom, that's rhabdo. And I'll be fine. Oh, you're not getting rhabdo. Don't worry, Mama Rosansky. We will text you throughout the entire race. Yeah, so for whoever commented and said rhabdo, thanks. You scared the shit out of my mom. No one's, no one's getting a rhabdo. Was that Jacob? No, I, I think it was Billy Richards. So thanks, Billy, oh, for okay. listening. Because <laughs> hey. he's like, just be careful. Hey, Jacob Bosecker has recovered from rhabdo and he's still kicking ass out on his trail runs. I mean, I hope I don't get rhabdo. I'm not trying to run a hundred miles to get rhabdo. (laughs) No, no rhabdo. So we've gotten a lot of great feedback from people who actually have started racing because of their family. So one person in particular, Christine, and I know Christine here in Rhode Island. She comes out to the Fit Challenge races and she's big at Boulder Dash. Um, Her and her daughter are constantly out there training. And she said, my daughter started racing with me in 2019. The rest of the family thinks we're insane and doesn't understand. We go to Boulder Dash course every weekend for practice. I also got one of my friends involved in racing and she met her now husband um, doing her first time at Killington. It's definitely an all-consuming side for me, but I'm okay with it because it makes me live a healthier life. And I think hearing people who do go out and race with their family. So Christine's daughter is in high school. So she is out running um, the larger courses. So it makes me think of somebody like our good friend, Brian. Um, We'll tell the whole Brian story in a little bit when we transition over to friends. But Brian and his family actually raced together. He and his dad and his brother um, are have all gone out. They've raced Killington, Fenway, West Virginia. There have been a few instances where his brother has gotten injured out on the course. Um, but in some of the less serious injuries, his he and his dad did go on and continue to finish. But their love for the sport has um, led them to travel overseas. Um, I believe in 2019, they went to Germany and ran the Berlin trifecta weekend. Their family also has a cottage up in, I don't know how to describe different parts of New York. Charles, it's up by your sister. It's called Western New York. Um, They have a cottage in Western New York with like 40 some acres. And they have started building out their own obstacle course in this giant oasis. 
um, to the point where like Titan and I have traveled up there for 4th of July before and we've ran their family course. They made like family wedalions and t-shirts and it was absolutely amazing. Um, But his dad has also had some injuries that have set him back. So when it comes down to that, Brian will race with his dad when he's out there, but then they, he has, his dad has also said, Hey, I'm not racing this one. I'm going to marshal or whatever else. And Brian can go out on his own. His mom still travels with them and comes out and spectates when she can. Um, but they stay together out when they are traveling. And it's their way of having family vacations and having the family time is to go out and travel to those races. And I honestly think it's absolutely incredible. Um, I've ran a few races with them. I know our friend Chris has ran a few races with them as well. It's so inspiring to see his dad continue to get out there in his 60s, despite, you know, a couple of the injuries that he's dealt with. And they just love doing it as their family time. It actually makes me a little jealous to like hear stories of people who have raced with like their parents and stuff, because it's something I wish I could do. But like due to their health conditions, it's not really possible. Like or safe Mm -hmm. so like hearing like people who do get to race with their their dads and take them out on course and stuff it's like it's it makes me a little envious i did it once and i loved it just i'm just a little salty i don't get to do it yeah and another person who comments stephanie she said that her journey into racing actually started because her husband was using it as motivation to lose weight and to overall feel better He was trying to feel better, you know, physically, mentally, and he was just thinking about his long-term health. So she went out and she did it to support him on his journey, and it was a way that they could continue to get healthy together. She says, we train differently. We got our youngest, who is now 11, interested to a point, motivated our oldest to work out weekly with my husband, and my sister-in-law began training too. My husband created monkey bar structure spear throw. I got us a rock climbing thing. I don't know what the thing is, but it's a rock climbing thing. Our friends are supportive and often tease up about what we can or can't eat, but it's all out of love. My husband and I own a business that involves us staying mobile and agile. So it's made life overall better. That is relationship goals. Yeah, that was the story I was actually just about to like pull up. uh, Because when I read that initially, I was like, that is... That's pretty great because I've seen it where I've I've now we're seeing it more often where there is like actual couples in these and in OCR. I've always early on, I always saw it as just one sided. It was just like it's one. The husband's there and the wife's just kind of like that or it's the other way around. It's, it's the husband holding the camera, having to take the photos while the wife is doing it. I've always seen I've never actually seen like a lot of couples as like the sport has progressed, we're seeing more and more of it. Maybe it's people who are meeting through the sport is why. But hey, even if your significant other isn't in racing, like that's okay. Jason, who commented, said um, for his wife, he's not even going to lie. She did not understand when he started racing. She has no interest in OCR and was quite jealous of the time I spent away. Lucky for me, she came around and realized that OCR is very important to me. And she even has met the OCR friends that I've become close to and loves them as well. I have been lucky that I found OCR gives me purpose and happiness. And hey, you know, OCR isn't for everybody. I know Brian's girlfriend. She has come out. She ran at Fenway once. She finished off. She said, meh, that's not for me. But when we go out running on Saturdays and Sundays, if she's not working, 
she comes out and she will hike. I'll get text messages from Brian before we go on our run and say, hey, bring Titan. Megan, because ironically, her name is also Megan. She said, Megan wants to walk Titan while we're running. Perfect. She knows that, you know, she's not going to run with us, but she wants to still come out and be supportive of him. So she'll come out and spectate. She'll come out and hike while we run. And I, I think it is completely amazing to see significant others who say it's not for me, but I can fully support you on this. Meanwhile, you have, you know, OCR powerhouse couples like, you know, uh, Webster and Atkins and then uh, Nicole and Aaron Noll and all those power couples. They're, that, they're that's not, not together anymore. You're behind. Oh, no, I didn't know these. Wait, wait who's not together now? Uh, we, I mean, nobody says this stuff publicly, but we fully spec- speculate that they are not a, po- a couple anymore. So Aaron Noll and Nicole Miracle? Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, I kind of figured because they stopped posting together, but... Whatever. He just posted a picture with somebody else. Uh, so ooh. I I don't Endless. I don't I don't care about OCR drama. I'm not trying to get into that. I'm just saying, but it's just it's funny though to see that there are like powerhouse couples because like you said, I mean, I mean, even the women up, uh, uptake in the sport and the women elite mm-hmm. side has been going through the roof. Like kind of like what you, what you were saying, Charles. It's almost sometimes you see it backwards now. Sometimes you'll go and you'll, you'll see this like badass chick that's racing elite. And meanwhile, her boyfriend's on the sideline, not even racing, and he's the one taking the pictures. And before it was always the opposite. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the Sherpa life. (laughs) Just make sure they understand how to work your camera. Yeah. Megan, you beat me to like all the stories I was trying to do. Like literally (laughs) back to back. I I just assume that you guys aren't reading through all of the things that I I put up on here. I know I don't. So, I mean, that's that's definitely between you guys because I know I don't read that shit early. I don't have time, honestly. We've we've knocked out most of it. Um, Speaking of like couples there, you have it the flip side where it's just only one person's going out and doing it themselves where we have Allison who... She put in that races are my only break from being a business owner and mom. I will arrive in Cali at 2 a.m. on a Saturday, race the weekend, and drive back home into Monday morning at 4 a.m. to get to the store at 8 a.m. The husband doesn't understand. My littles race when I have someone to watch them while I race. It was a, I'm 40 and I want to do this. 15 races in before this pandemic. Hope we get back at it. It's honestly my happy place and my release. 100%. And I actually did go on and ask Allison about if her husband comes out and supports her. And um, she just responded back. She said, I actually was running my first race solo and planned to meet a stranger at the start line. We've almost ran every race together. I've also had a sister and brother-in-law join me in a race each. My husband isn't athletic. It's not something he'd watch. So instead of, you know, trying to encourage her family. Yes, yeah, she's had some family come out and run with her. She actually has found her race tribe and now um, has somebody who will run with her out on the course. And I think that's honestly how a lot of things happened with me as my family started on with, haven't you gotten that out of your system? They were saying, you know, if you shouldn't need to have a support system from your family, start making friends and start really finding people at the race course that you can bond with. And I think honestly, I mean, obviously that's how all of us met. And now my race friends are my best friends. 
Yeah, I used to have this like weird separation of like, these are my race friends, these are my regular friends from home that I'm around all the time. Now it has become just like the people who were my race friends are actually my close and good friends. While a lot of my other friends are still merged into the group, but it's definitely like trickling off as you do with friendships as you go. And then it's also, you have like these weird separations of friends where it's like you only seen them at races and you only know them from races, but every year that's where you get to see them and like kind of catch up. And I think that's kind of like one of the best parts about this sport is you do get to meet all these different people. And sometimes you're not gonna be able to hang out with them all the time because they're in Ohio or they're living down in Texas or one of the Carolinas. So you have this, you only have this time either seeing each other on Instagram type stuff or actually in person. And that's, what's kind of cool about having like, you know, quote unquote race friends is that, you know, people travel and go all over to these races. So you meet people in all parts of this, you know, all parts of the country state you're in and even, you know, just literally, you know, other parts of the world. So like now when I go to travel, even if it's not for a race, if I'm just like going to have like a mini vacation, I know I can text at least, you know, four or five people in pretty much any given state and be like, Hey, I'm going to be in your area. Can I just like spend the night type of thing? And so it's kind of nice where you literally end up having friends now all over the country and all over the world just through racing. And you could have literally nothing in common but racing. And that's enough because it's kind of just like all geared toward, you know, fitness, uh, you know, healthier lifestyle and just overall fun. And that's what's I think really cool about it is that everyone has a totally different background, but they all kind of blend together over this one common thing. That's what makes it so unique. It's not like any other kind of sport because it's that's very specific whereas this you have literally every and any background yeah i think for me it got to the point in 2019 where i was so serious in my training and racing i was running the mountain series and the national series that i would see my friends on the west coast or the midwest or whatever else more often than i would see my friends that live here in boston because you know, we would get together on Saturday mornings to watch. I'm a, I'm a huge soccer fan. So we would meet up at the pub to watch soccer games. But my Saturdays then became engrossed with my training runs. So I couldn't get to the pub as often as I could. I, I would like to. And my friends here would say, Megan, we never see you. When did this start taking over your life? And in time, they really started to understand. In fact, this year... I traveled with some of my soccer friends to Martha's Vineyard um, out by the Cape. And I woke up at 5 a.m. to go on a three-hour run. And they were completely cool with it. I said, hey, guys, I'm not drinking until after my ultra. That is completely fine with them. They're like, hey, you're going after a 24-hour race. We 100% support you. We think that's awesome. And that was like a huge turning point for me. These were friends that I knew, but I didn't really spend a lot of time with. And for them to go from maybe a group of friends that used to say, hey, take this shot or, you know, stay out all night or, you know, don't go for a run because the game is coming on. Instead, they said, hey, if you need to go to bed early, go to bed early, get up early. How was your run? It's so cool you're not drinking. And yeah, they're just grateful for the time when I can come out and see them now because they know that I am serious about my training and racing so the time we do spend together is so much more valuable yeah I've actually it's funny you say like 
you were losing connection with friends for overtraining. That's actually where I, I had the same problem in 2018 and 19 when I was training for my endurance races. I was running several days a week and also every weekend. And I didn't make time for friends. I was always just out doing running for several hours at a time. And when you do that, that can wipe you out for the day. Oh, 100%. You're not going to want to stay up like till like 10 p.m. even just watching UFC fights and movies and stuff. So once I finished and got the endurance stuff out of my system, I was like, oh, my friends did like tell me like, hey, we haven't like hung out with you in a while. What are you like doing? I'm like, well, I was training a lot. And now I'm just kind of sitting here like, yeah, we never really saw you. And it was kind of like a wake up point for me of like, I do want to I do want to be good at obstacle racing and running. But I also don't want to sacrifice my time with actual people just so I can be a minute faster at this or be able to finish a hundred miler in a certain amount of time. I would actually prefer to have my, like keep my connections intact. So it is like kind of a, a tricky balance. For me, it definitely helped that my endurance training came during a pandemic. So when people were like, Hey, why aren't we seeing you? It's like, well, there's a global pandemic. So I might as well just race a lot or run a lot to train for my races. I mean, that's also why we're friends with the people that we're friends with, right? Because I mean, everyone has, mm-hmm. everyone's all like-minded and you know, they're into the same things you are. I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, we all have different backgrounds, but we're all like-minded in that, you know, those are our ultimate goals. And it's nice as we have these communities, I mean, whether it be you know, in person or even, you know, the last year and a half during the pandemic, you, you still have the support and backing and even meeting new people kind of virtually through all the, you know, forums and groups such as, you know, all the Spartan forums, you know, Spartans of the Northeast and Savage Syndicate and Spartan 4.0 and, you know, like just all those forums. It's it's nice then so you can meet all these like-minded people from all across the country and all across the world that you would not otherwise ever probably talk to in your day-to-day life. People, uh, two of my best friends in the area, I actually met through a local OCR Facebook group. And um, I met my friend Maria, who was just moving to the area. And she was like, hey, I'm into a couple races. And I was seeing if there's people here. And I got to know her like through Facebook and in person. And Maria is still one of my good friends. We've traveled to races many times. But Maria also introduced me to uh, my friend Alan. Mm -hmm. And these are all people I would not have met in my regular life. It's just because I'm when I'm out about and in the world i'm not very social i'm like i'm here to get stuff done and then go home so she uh maria introduced me to alan when i needed a ride up to like an ocr social and if she never like introduced us i would not have met my friend alan but what we ended up doing was we bonded over racing and then we kind of like we would go back and forth just going to local races like just kind of driving each other there but then when Adventure announced OCR Enduro Worlds down in Australia. Alan messaged me. I was like, "Oh, hey, I'm thinking about going to Australia. Would you have would you have any interest?" And I was like, "I was at this point in my life where I was seeing all my friends and people on Facebook traveling internationally. And I was like, you know what? I want to travel too." So I was like, "You know what? I'm in." We didn't know each other too well besides like socializing back and forth, but we decided to just travel to another continent, like halfway across the world together. And we actually like traveling for two weeks with each other and like racing. It actually like bonded us more because we got to know more about each other. And it's like probably one of the better things I've gotten out of OCR is like my friendship with my friend Alan. 
Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly the same with me. I mean, so my, you know, one of my best friends, Matt, um, I literally met him, I think in, I mean, it was on Facebook. I think it was like Spartans of the Northeast where, uh, I forget what race it was actually, now that I think about it. Um, I think, yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't, I don't even remember what race it was, but, uh, it was one of those things where basically just what you said, Charles, of like, Hey, I'm going to do this race. Do you want to room together and like split costs? So it would be cheaper. Cause we're all broke bitches and <laughs> we ended up staying together and I show up to this hotel, never have met this guy. And I'm like, Hey, are you that, uh, that Matt guy that I'm rooming with? And he's like, yeah. And now we're best friends. Um, and same thing with my friend, uh, Garrett, which I found out, I, I met him at Savage race, what, two or three years ago, mid race. He's like, Hey, I saw you here last year. Like, do you live around here? And I'm like, Oh, I live around Hershey. And he's like, Oh wow. Me too. I'm like 10 minutes away from Hershey. Now we're best friends. And I'm in, uh, you know, I'm a groomsman in his wedding later this year, which for those of you who don't know, Garrett, you suck because your wedding is on OCR world championships weekend. Um, so yeah, I'm not happy. About you, you messed up our house. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm for all for those people who also don't know. I'm the guy who sets up all the houses for everybody because apparently no one else likes to do that kind of stuff. I love doing that, and now no one has a house for World Championships. So thanks, Garrett, for ruining our house. With that being said, we are now in the market for a new house in Stratton, <laughs> and we better get on that because I feel like everybody is taking over the house situation. And Derek, send us the. Um, phone number for the house that we stayed at last time, please. I feel um, like I feel like we should edit that out just so people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hilarious that um, your guys' stories are all um, involving around staying together. And I think anybody who has looked into, you know, traveling for races, they've all looked for the ways to keep race costs down. Um, but my story, and it's, we're going to get to the race travel part, but actually how I wound up meeting my best friends, Brian and Chris, um, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen Brian and Chris posted before multiple times. You've probably heard us refer to Chris as our fun nickname. Um, and you could have possibly seen us as sexy green beard at Noram. Um, it goes all into the story, but actually Brian and I met, it's kind of a two-part meeting. I'm a trainer at Equinox and he was at the time a member of Equinox. He'd be that guy, you know, wearing a Spartan shirt. And I was that trainer who knew Spartan. We never really actually talked, but you know, we'd acknowledge each other. And then us being two single third, well, 20 somethings at the time. We were both on like a dating site, like OkCupid. And we wound up talking just because of mutual interest and like, hey, I think I kind of know you. It's one of those things like, if you see your friend on a dating site, do you swipe left or right? And right. Um, you never right. really know. You swipe left so you can make it awkward. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't match. You got to swipe right so then you can match. Come on now. Oh, I don't know. I don't even know how to Tinder. You're the one I, yeah. <laughs> Never been on Tinder, proudly. But um, we wound up matching and talking. We were talking about our races. And it turns out that we both got our trifectas in 2016. We ran the exact same races to get our trifectas in 2016. We also had a very similar taste in music. And 
I mean, obviously, we've already hinted at it. Like, music is a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of my friendships. Um, so for, for me to find somebody who shares similar interests in racing and music, that's huge for me. So Brian and I, we we traveled to a couple races that year. We became, like, best friends. Then for Greek Peak in 2018, I think, yeah, that was 2017 that we met in 2018. I went to Greek Peak. Brian stayed with his parents. So I drove down with somebody who was a friend first and they I converted them over into Spartan. I had gotten a message at Greek Peak. And if you know Greek Peak, you know there's terrible service out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my other friends was there and wanted to say hi, but we just, neither one of us could get service. So the friend he was with randomly added me on Facebook and started messaging me like, hey, where are you at? You know, so-and-so wants to come say hi. Ultimately, we wound up not saying hi, and we just went home. Then a a week or two later, I decided I was going to go out to Spartan, Ireland. So me and the friend that had gone out to Greek Peak together, we started looking for a house, and I posted on, you know, Northeast Spartan's page, hey, going out to Ireland for the first ever Spartan Race Ireland, if anybody wants to go and is looking for a house, like, let me know. We can coordinate all of that kind of stuff. And this guy that had friend requested me on Facebook during Greek Peak, he responded and said, yeah, I want to go. So this is my friend, Chris, at the time. And still to this day, his Facebook page is in, his name is in Greek. He speaks like five, seven, I don't even know how many languages, but he was, he taught at, uh, English second language school, and he didn't want students to find him. So his name was in Greek. So I didn't know what his name was because we had never formally met each other. His profile picture wasn't his face, so I had no idea what he looked like. But I'm like, yeah, you can come with us to Ireland. So we started planning. As we approach the city field race, Brian and I decide last minute, we are going to go out and we are going to race at city field drive down from Boston to New York. So we, again, just post in the groups, hey, uh, we just made the last minute decision. Does anybody have room for two? He responds and says, hey, guys, I live in Brooklyn. You can come crash at my house. So Brian and I get into our cars to drive down after work on Friday. We get there at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. It's dark. We have no idea where we're going in Brooklyn. We show up to this house. We don't know the guy's name. We don't know what he looks like. And there was Chris. Um, so from there, we we met each other a few more times throughout the the season. He Chris traveled with me to Ireland, and we became really good friends in Ireland. And then saw each other at West Virginia, and then we went out to New Jersey that year for the Super. And that was when Chris officially got his name. We don't know how exactly it happened, but in some way, shape, or form, Brian turned to a police officer as we were crossing the street and said, have you seen sexy pants? The police officer looks at Brian and says, did you just call me sexy pants? And Brian says, no, we're looking for our friend. I just called him sexy pants. And from there... Chris now officially has the name of Sexy Pants, and we have a nonstop recurring Sexy Green Beard um, group chat. We talk every day, our, their girlfriends, our best friends. Um, we 
try to travel together. We try to race together as much as we can. They are absolutely my best friends. I have brought them into my regular group of friends. Brian comes with me to my concerts. Um, we are. I spent Christmas with Brian. We're not just a group of friends anymore. We really are a race family. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of going along that with like the whole race family too, that's what I really think. And I mean, I keep going back on this, but I really like the fact that there is a community and like a race family within our community of, even if you don't know that person, you're still like a part of their, you know, quote unquote tribe and, and family. And that really speaks volumes when, you know, people are posting and, you know, like Spartan to the Northeast or 4.0 and if like something happened in their life tragically or whatever, that people are willing to give and do things extra to kind of help them. Um, you know, the real reason why I, you know, I bring that up is, you know, I had the instance of helping my friend Chrissy out where she tore her ACL, MCL, and meniscus all in one go, lost her job, and her mom died all within like a two or three week time span, was in a really bad spot, started a GoFundMe for her because she couldn't afford the surgery at the time, um, because then she lost her job and everything and she couldn't work because her leg was busted anyway. Um, posted in the group and people that did not know her did not know me but saw you know that I shared it we ended up raising over ten thousand dollars for her in a month's time just in the OCR community because everybody is like one big giant family and I think that's something that's really special that you don't necessarily see in other hobbies and in other sports 100 percent. I think the whole six degrees of separation is magnified when you're in obstacle course racing. I mean, everybody has stayed at a house with somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're getting Instagram follows, Facebook friend requests, you're talking to people in the community groups. And then they're asking you to come stay in your house for Killington or you're running into them out on the course and you're having a conversation and now they're your best friend. Just having one little connection to somebody really helps everybody feel like they know each other and already because we are suffering through the exact same races, the same kinds of training, we we have that community feel and we want to help each other out. Yeah, that's kind of like what I would end up telling someone Cause I used to be someone who would just go to races and leave. Like I didn't really have friends in the sport. I would show up, do the race, kind of stand around and then go home. Like through social media, the use of like Instagram and Facebook, I actually ended up meeting people and recognizing people. And it would always be like kind of the same races you've always, the same faces you've always seen at the race. And I would just eventually end up talking to them. And that's kind of how my friendships started to grow. When I didn't really have any friends, I knew at the time back in 2014, uh, blue man Anthony Valeska was like he was a solid elite racer but I knew who he was and he it was someone I was just like I want to put a target on him because I just wanted to like try and stay ahead of somebody in the field at the time and then when I did I actually like got up and talked to him and if you guys don't know him a lot of people kind of think he's a jerk but if you actually get to know him he's actually a really nice guy he's helped me out a lot with like finding places to stay and stuff but um like once I got to know him, you introduce, he introduced you to other people and it just kind of grows and like snowballs from there. And that's kind of like anybody, anybody I've seen at a race who isn't really talking much or anything, I at least can try to get to know them because it's going to be someone you're probably going to see at another one, like especially on the East Coast where all of our races are within a couple hours drive from each other that you can just, you're always at least going to be able to make a friend with somebody. Oh, completely. I mean, 
I don't know how many people I have met while suffering through the death march. I don't remember the people that I meet when I'm suffering through the death march. But you, after the fact, people will come up and say, hey, I saw you on the death march. And hey, do you remember talking about this and this? And just having those little conversations out on the course when you're climbing or when you're really entering into like that dark space, that is where our friendships come from. People will say, hey, I saw you at this point, you know, awesome job. Or when I was at Big Bear in, I almost said last year, no, 2019, when we had races, I remember I was running age group. And that is one of those races where people will sign up for age group just to get the early start time. So us in the national series were running it for national series. And we got up to the monkey bars and I said, I screamed, at somebody who took off their vest and I said, Hey, no, the it's national series. You can't take off your, um, your hydration pack. And then I kept swinging and then we kept climbing and a woman came up right behind me and she said, thank you so much for saying something. We need more people saying that she then went on and found me from something I posted in West coast Spartans and saying, Megan, I remember you stand, um, saying something to another racer about abiding by the rules. And I see everything you're doing to help promote this sport. I think it's so inspiring. And now we've gone on and we've had full conversations as Facebook friends, all because of one little interaction we had out on the course. And I have so many stories like that, just from, you know, the suffering or the accomplishments. People remember those. It You don't always remember the pain that you're going through or how much it sucks. But you remember when you can talk to somebody because that is pulling you out and it's making you more aware of your surroundings. Yeah. And that is where all of our race friendships are coming from. Yeah. That actually reminds me of how I met my friend, Matt, uh, Matt Polo, who I know from just at Noram and then now racing and competing against each other. It's definitely like an on course friendly rivalry because we are very much close in the same speed and obstacle skill but he found me from racing at noram when i ran the 3k at 2018 i actually finished uh i finished dead last and i posted on instagram that i was super proud of it because i mean if you're gonna do terrible you might as well finish dead last um there's not a better placement than that uh, but i posted it and the next day at the 15k he he uh approached me in the starting crowd he's like hey me <laughs> me and my brother saw your post about being dead last and we, uh, we kind of like connected and grew over that and so during the 15k and then the team race we were also just kind of like japping each other back and forth to like go faster in the race and like since then as we've raced against each other it's become this fun friendly rivalry and also asking like if we're going to be at certain races and just it's probably that's one of my more favorite aspects of this race our sport is that we do get to see these people all the time, especially when they're within our age group. And we get to like, kind of be like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to see if I can beat you this time. Cause there's no, I don't think there's any better feeling than having like an actual, like friendly rivalry. Cause it doesn't exist much in the sport. I feel like. No, it's completely awesome to like cross a finish line. And the person that you were like, quote unquote racing is either there or you're, you know, running it out. And then you just hug at the end and say, Hey man, like, awesome fight. I think that's that's the camaraderie we need more of in this sport. And honestly, obstacle course racing already has such great 
race rivalries and race friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to continue to encourage that friendly rivalry atmosphere mm-hmm. because this, yes, it's a serious sport, but it's not a sport that we need to take seriously. Yeah, We're playing on a giant playground. Have fun, smile. You are acting like a big kid. And if you're a pro, maybe you're making money off of it. If you're in an age group, you're embracing your the athlete that you once were, you still are. Just love everything about it and just realize these are your friends. Uh, if you if you ever are racing against me at a stadium, if we ever get them back at a stadium race, I am very well known to be when we're coming around because you can see the finish line of a stadium. It's like you see it a mile ahead because it's just a gauntlet of obstacles. But what if I'm in an open running section and I'm coming up on someone? I will like kind of take a stride next to him and be like, let's go. Let's do this. Let's finish this out. Let's race. I don't know who they are, but I'm just like, let's go. Come on, man. Like it's right there. I know you're not that tired. So let's go. <laughs> Cause I just want to have a little bit of fun. We don't have to actually like be completely serious and hardcore about doing these obstacles. So then to flip the script, this makes me think of something. So my good friend, Ian, he is the guy that voiced over our intro. He's an awesome podcaster. He's the reason why I like Ice Nine Kills. So he's the reason why Charles likes Ice Nine Kills. He is not a race friend, but he is a friend that I have brought like Brian into our friends group. And we are all now friends regardless. He has been saying for years, that he plans to come out to Spartan Fenway and he is going to beat me at an obstacle course race. And he, um, he did also say he will, he could beat me at an obstacle course race and I haven't even met him proper. <laughs> but he is one of those guys that he is always prepared for the zombie apocalypse. He's got, you know, his katanas under his bed and he has his apocalypse plan ready and I, he, he is an athlete. He can, he would do very well, but he has never stepped into an obstacle course race. So I've been planning to sign him up for years. Guys, have you had any success with turning a non-race friend into a race friend? I haven't really tried yet. I mean, there's a couple of friends where I've tried to get on the course and I've had one or two people do it, but they've only done literally one or two. So I haven't really like fully transitioned anybody yet. <laughs> I, I've tried so many times. <laughs> I have so many friends who are like, oh yeah, I can climb a rope. I could probably do all that stuff. And then when it comes time to like, I've offered them free rate, like I'll pay for your entry. But when it comes time to pay the piper, they're just like, oh no, I got like this going on this week. I'm like, okay. I've just, I've never gotten any friends to convert over to racing. And it's, I mean, it bums me out a little bit, but at the same time, it kind of makes me realize like how far to have these like this separate life of like this is where I was and this is kind of how I am now and it sucks because yeah you're you're not gonna be able to bring all your friends in there and it kind of gives you a little bit of, like separation I mean at the end of the day you can't force anybody to do anything you can't make any of your friends try it they definitely need to be open to it and really experience it for themselves instead of you just continuing to encourage them Brian, actually, not my friend Brian, but another Brian from a Spartan Facebook group, said one friend who I met through karate class in college ended up getting addicted after refusing to go with me despite my many pleas to try it just once. She finally caved and signed up for Tuxedo three years ago. Neither she nor the sport have been the same since, especially as she hits the podium more than she doesn't. I don't know who this friend is. I kind of want to know who this friend is. 
Um, but it reminds me of a couple of my friends from college, actually. So I went to college out in Minnesota. I'm nowhere near Minnesota now. I have one friend from college who lives actually in D.C. And then I have one friend from college who lives in China. We don't particularly talk to each other that often. We weren't really the closest friends in college. We knew who each other were. They have both gotten into Spartans before. And as soon as they ran their first race, I saw that they signed up or they were saying they were signing up. And I reached out to them on Facebook and said, hey, I'm so excited to see you getting in and running the race. Um, Or, hey, how did the race go? What can I help you with? And we're actually now better friends because we share those experiences than we were back in college. It's lucky to have like have those friends who do switch over because um, I would like to have like those bonding experiences of taking like my friend. I, I don't have a lot of friends left from high school, so I only have a few, but like taking them to go to an obstacle course race. And it wouldn't even be to like be competitive. I just kind of want to share that experience with them because it's hard to make friends understand what this is about. Like, because for some people, it's about being competitive. Some people about it's about pushing themselves. And some people, it's about overcoming stuff. And it's when you have friends who are just like, oh, it's like kind of what we said earlier. Oh, you're doing one of those motor races. Like they don't have a full understanding that like it's a different kind of life. I think we've all had that, especially during our first races. Do finally get to complete a set of monkey bars or complete a rope climb. You understand like this growth of like, I couldn't do a rope climb X amount of times ago. And now once you get it, you kind of see you get that adrenaline rush and you get that overwhelming feeling. So when you have friends who have never done stuff like that, they kind of won't get it, but you at least want to see them experience the same thing. And that's kind of what I've wanted to try to get my friends into racing. Cause I want to see them experience the same feeling I've had when I do these races. Basically in order for you to maintain that like separate friend group, I guess you could say basically you're just trying to get them to, see and understand what it is you go through basically and that's why you kind of want them to even just to try it once so they can at least understand it so that way you can kind of maintain that i've even tried to with some of my endurance races i've even tried to just invite them out to pit crew just so they can be there and kind of see if like i'm not just out there running around for i mean we are out there running around for fun but it's not just like a walk in the park for this stuff it's actually more intensive than that so that is like kind of a, I've tried to bridge the gap with my friends, but it's just never, never happened. Right. I mean, basically trying to welcome them to like the atmosphere of it. I have taken a couple people that I know, we'll say in the real world, obviously we're all in the real world, but people that I know in the real world, and then I have kind of introduced them to obstacle course racing. I actually brought two separate people out on a stadium race and both pers- both people didn't really train, so to speak, for it. They just went out and kind of tested it out, see what they could do. When they both finished, they cried. Like tears rushing down their face saying, I had no idea that I could do this. I don't know how I just finished this, but oh my gosh, it feels so great to finish. You know, they didn't complete the multi-rig. They didn't complete the um, rope climb. There were times when... I was encouraging them to do their burpees and they were saying expletives and saying, no, I'm not going to do this. Or, you know, a guy doing the women's box jump for step ups. And it's like, hey, 
do what you can. And once they got through it, they were so incredibly proud of themselves. And that overwhelming feeling of accomplishment just came pouring out. One of them actually at City Field, he sat down in the chair right coming off of the field, just sat there looking out over the the field and crying, saying, I don't know how I just did this. I need to just sit here, take it in. This is the hardest thing I've ever done, but I did it. Yeah. Um, I saw that same thing with my sister when she did it. She didn't get to do a lot of like the harder obstacles, but she completed a slip wall, which to a lot of people, the slip wall is pretty easy. There's a rope. It's just you walk up and you do it. But to her, that was a very scary thing because it's like, what does a slip wall go up like eight feet in the air, 10 feet, something like that. Mm -hmm. It required assistance getting up there. And during it, yeah, she was scared and did cry a little, but she got over it and she actually like completed it. So like seeing like people who, even if there are doing only a few things and then actually can completing it i do see it from that side just by my own experience with my sister i mean honestly that's why i do what i do yes i love racing and i love teaching people how to train but i love the experiences of seeing them beat an obstacle for their first time to see somebody hit the bell on top of the rope climb or you know to see them beat the twister whatever else I I think this sport is so incredibly supportive that nobody is going to see you post on a Facebook page and say, hey, I just beat the rope climb. Nobody is ever going to say, oh, what? Who cares? We all can beat the rope climb. Everybody is so incredibly proud whenever somebody beats an obstacle they've never beaten before. Because this sport isn't just a competitive we're racing each other this is actually a sport where we are just racing ourselves and trying to beat something new every single time and that is why our community is so incredible because they understand that that is more important than who wins the race ultimately hell i remember uh finway 2014 was the first time i ever completed a set of monkey bars and which is like a lot of people outside of like, you're just now doing a set of monkey. I was like, I was 2014. I was mid to late twenties, never completed monkey bars before in my life. But once I got them, I was so excited. All my friends were kind of just like, okay, cool. Uh, my sister was there. She understood. But once I posted online um, and I've posted it a couple of times before, cause I have a photo of it. Every time I've gotten an overwhelming amount of support from people in the sport. Cause they understand that this like there are certain things that some people just can't do. And once you finally get it, it uh, opens your eyes to like, wonder what else I can do. Like when I finished the hundred miler, I was like, oh crap, wonder what else I can do now. People started pushing me like, so you want to try this 250? You want to try this, this and that? Like you please don't say that. I don't ever want to get to that point after I try this hundred miler here. Please. <laughs> Please don't ever happen ever again. Don't worry if I'm if, if at Leadville if I'm pacing you in the end like so how how does this feel? Do you want to do more? <laughs> Hard miles. No. <laughs> how about bad water? Bad water's death valley. No, but I think ex- exactly what you're getting at, Charles. Our friends and family don't exactly understand how big it is to overcome some of this stuff. So us reaching out to them and saying, you know, will you come out and support? Do you want to come try it? We just want them to get that little bit more of an understanding, you know, meet our OCR friends so they they can continue to tell you how big of an impact 
it is to beat an obstacle for the first time or to finish a Killington or whatever else, because it is very hard work and you get so much gratification from overcoming these things and talking to family and friends who don't understand it. It kind of like minimizes that sense of accomplishment in you. And we should never have that when we come back from a race. Yeah. We want everybody to continue to celebrate those successes. It's tough to say, but I've gotten a little numb to telling my parents like how races have gone. Because at this point, they've, I mean, they've been to a couple of them, but at this point, it's just kind of like, well, I did another race and this is kind of how it went. <laughs> a lot of times that when I finished the, the, the challenge ultra back in October, I just checked my mom's like, Oh, Hey, I'm done. I got, uh, we did hundred K 68 miles in this amount of time. And it just got numb to that. 110. We got 110. 10, yeah. But it just got numb to that. And, um, it's a little, it sucks a little, but I mean, that's just kind of how it is. But I know if once I tell some of my other friends, I have a whole group of friends who I call them my D and D friends. Um, because that's how we all met. I tell them these things and they are, anytime I do a race and stuff, they get super excited. And I hope I never lose like that part of it because they wanted to be, in, they're interested in doing races, but they're just like, they're probably not going to have the time to do them. So whenever I post stuff, they live vicariously through me telling, like they live vicariously through me when I tell them like, I'm doing this and that. And they're super supportive about it. So that's kind of become my like new race support family. I don't know. Do y'all not have any D and D friends you can link up with the story at all? Sorry, no. <laughs> I don't live in the nineties. My bad. Um, my my D and D friend was supposed to be on this episode. <laughs> For some reason, I'm friends with a bunch of people that play D and D, but I don't. It's okay. You live vicariously through our D and D. All my friends I mean, are nerds. Fine. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that actually is a good place to wrap it up. You know, at the end of the day. Yes, we want our family and friends to be supportive, but really we just want them to understand how important it is for us to overcome new obstacles and to continue to um, hit these new feats. We are continuing to embrace more and more of our race family and friends because they understand and they are there for us and they're supportive of us. But we definitely can continue to build stronger um, friendships and relationships with our families. Um, as long as they can understand how important racing is to us. You know, as Luke said at the top of the show, you can't pick your family, but you can pick a killer tribe. And honestly, those are words to live by. I love my race family. I love you guys. I can't wait to see you guys and race with you guys again here shortly. So I think that's going to be it for today. My name is Megan. I am Meggie B A T C, the OCR trainer. I'm Derek Rosansky, otherwise known as the Obstacle Activist on my again dying YouTube channel. Although I filmed a new video this morning, so there might be a video popping up in the next couple of days. So hmm. check me out there on YouTube at uh, Obstacle Activist. You can also follow me on Instagram at Obstacle underscore Activist. Uh, I am Charles McDonald. You can follow me at Sabretooth. OCR that is S A B R E T O T H underscore OCR on Instagram. And that's really about it. And remember you can follow us on Facebook at middle of the pack pod uh, on Twitter at mid pack pod. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, 
uh, Alexa tune in. You can just click on that link tree yeah. on our Instagram profile. Remember to subscribe, download, like, listen, share, please. Um, Rate, yeah. review. And hey, guys, we post a new episode every Thursday. So make sure you have that subscription button hit so it can come to you before you are even awake. Uh-huh. Well, guys, I think we are good for today. Thank you for joining us. We are excited to talk to you again next week. Remember, obstacle course racing isn't just a sport. It's a lifestyle. Outro music.